You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It's Tuesday, October 16th. We are uh, still unpacking, digesting, talking about Penn State's tough, disappointing loss to Michigan State from Saturday. Nittany Lions are back in action this Saturday at Indiana. It's a 3.30 kickoff out there in Bloomington. Uh, We'll talk about that game later in the week, and we're going to kind of spin things forward and and look ahead today. Uh, We're going to bring in John McGonagall of the Center Daily Times. We didn't get a chance to talk to him on yesterday's show. We're going to talk to him on today's show. We're actually going to dive into that interview in in just a minute here. Uh, But we're going to talk to him about what he saw uh, on Saturday and what it means for Penn State moving forward. We'll also get into some of Penn State's bowl situations and, and what is realistic and what could still happen and what the Nittany Lions have left to play for. The Rose Bowl is still in play, as John will point out here, which is probably the best news and, and the best case scenario for this season moving forward. But that's a, a January 1st uh, in Pasadena is a far way away from where Penn State is right now. So let's get to that interview with John McGonagall of the Center Daily Times to, to get his take on what he saw on Saturday and what it means for this team moving forward. All right. I am happy to be joined now by John McGonagall of the Center Daily Times. John, thank you again for joining us here. Uh, just we've had a this, we're recording this on Monday, so you've had about forty eight hours to digest mm-hmm. what you saw on Saturday. Just just what what hangs in your head the most after Saturday's game? Thanks for having me, Piano. Yeah, the Nittany Lions just looked flat. Uh, you know, aside from you know, Miles Sanders' seventy eight yard run and the forty eight yard run in the first half which were both incredible. I would, I would eventually mm-hmm. say the 48-yard run was even more impressive, the way that yeah. you kind of weave through guys. Aside from that, uh, aside from Miles in the first half, like they, they just looked flat. I, I mean, the offense couldn't get anything really going. Trace looked out of sorts after he got that record. They didn't finish uh, at all. Uh, Jake Pinnegar, woof. Um, yeah. The defense, I mean, Amani played well all night up until that final drive. And then he drops an interception and gets turned around by Felton Davis on the game-winning touchdown. I actually liked what Penn State's, uh, you know, pass rush was able to do. I liked what Sharif Miller and Yeter Grossmatos and even Cam Brown, even though it didn't really show up on the stat sheet, I thought he used his length well to pressure uh, Lewerke. He actually, Penn State had five quarterback hurries, which is a season high for them. So, I mean, Miles in the pass rush was solid. But outside of that, I mean, you had a bye week to prepare for a three and two team, and like, I understand it's Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State. They've you know they've had four ten win seasons since 2013, so it's a good program. But this was this was a wounded team coming in after losing at home to Northwestern, and yeah. you have a week to prepare after this gut wrenching loss and the and the mindset and the you know the mantra and the words leading up to this game was that hey we're not going to let this snowball like we did last year and they looked worse than they did last year when they had dealt with a three and a half hour delay on the road i mean mm-hmm. you can't score 17 points at home and expect to win what defensively if you give up 21 points you should win at home especially with an explosive offense like you have so it was just an ugly flat blech game and say yeah everyone can kind of agree with that i think yeah, it was it was tough to watch. It just you kept waiting for it 
it was like kind of like also like the middle of the third quarter kind of like broke is like you were waiting for them to pull away but then when they weren't then like it kind of went instead of waiting this other feeling of they're going to blow this again kind of crept in and took over and yep. I think once Michigan State tied it that's how basically even after Penn State took the lead again that's how I felt for most of the game uh with that being said just and as you point out given everything that that was going into this game and how the feelings were last week uh was this the most surprised you've been by by a Penn State loss under James Franklin yeah yeah I think so um I think last year you look at what Penn State did, you know, after the Ohio State game, you know, it's on the road, it's at Michigan State, mm-hmm. you have that delay, it's kind of just a funky day, and you don't want to make excuses, but it was just, you know, some extenuating circumstances. This was totally different. I mean, this, yeah. this year at home, it's homecoming weekend, you have a, a good crowd. The stripe out looked great, by the way. Big stripe out. It did, yeah. Uh, and... You're coming off a bye, like I said, against a team that was that was limping into this game, that that was missing their star running back, was missing two of their top three receivers, that was banged up along the offensive line, and you can't score more than you know 17 points. I, I mean, I don't I don't get that at all. They had the 122nd ranked pass defense, eighth worst pass defense in the country, allowing 305 rushing or, or excuse me 305 passing yards a game. And it took you until really the third quarter, like late in the third quarter, for you even to test them downfield. Yeah. And, and when asked about it after the game, you know, hey, why didn't you take any deep shots? Or why weren't they called? Uh, Trace McSorley was just like, I don't know. And I think a lot of fans, a lot of media were thinking the same thing because, yeah. you know, you needed a spark. Like you said, you, you, were, you were just waiting for that play. I was waiting for like for KJ Hamler to run a double move across the middle get open, touchdown, like 70 yards or something, bring the crowd to life, do something. Uh, but without Miles Sanders clicking, you know, with, with the running game, Miles Sanders only had 16 rushing yards in the second half. So when you're you're not running the ball in the second half and you're just not creating explosive plays, you're, you're going to lose. Yeah. I mean, did uh, just from, from what you saw – this seemed like, and I said this yesterday in the podcast, it seemed like maybe the most underwhelming start Trace has had as a Penn State starter, or at least maybe dating back to that Michigan game two years ago. Since then, it was kind of kind of the most that we've seen him struggle a little bit. Just from your vantage point, why do you think he struggled, or, and what did he have to say after the game? So, yeah, uh, he, I mean, he did struggle. It was when you combine passing yards and rushing yards, it was his lowest total yardage output in the last 17 Big Ten games. Uh, So what happened there? So your receivers aren't really getting open. Uh, You know, when you look at what the tight end production has done, I mean, Pat Fryermuth has done a good job. But, you know, for example, I mean, mean, even just touchdown-wise, you know, on third and goal from the two-yard line, when you settle for a field goal, yeah, end up having to settle for a field goal to go up twenty to seventeen. You know, Ricky Ronnie calls a fade on third and two, or I'm sorry, third and goal on the two. I mean, what? Are, yeah. I mean, what are you doing? So like, there there yeah. were some play there were some play call decisions there. I, I don't think he was given an opportunity to air it out. I don't think I don't think Trace was put in an opportunity to succeed. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at his average depth of target, it's I think it was twelve and a half yards, which leads the Big Ten. And, and that's just a fancy way of saying the guy likes to chuck it deep, and, and that's what yeah. works. 
That is what worked in 2016 when they won the Big Ten title. It's what worked last year when they made it, you know, they won 11 games again. And it, it's what's worked under that system. So to take that away from him essentially is insane to me. But also he didn't play well. And he admitted that. And he took a lot of blame on his shoulders. And he was saying, I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. Anytime that he was about to say the team didn't play well enough, he stopped himself and said, I didn't play well enough. So that's just the fifth-year senior kind of talking and, and shouldering a lot of that blame. And I think he deserves some of it. But uh, I think the the guy upstairs calling the plays also deserves some too. Yeah, it was it was just weird to see. And he also like he slipped on that fourth down play. He missed he missed Fryermuth wide open once. It's like a throw he never misses. Yep. Uh, on the sideline, that would have been a first down. It was I don't know if maybe put too much pressure on himself or, or what it was, but it wasn't wasn't quite the Trace McSorley we're used to seeing. Right. Um, switching gears just a little bit, just looking looking forward now. Mm-hmm. Here Penn State sits four and two, six regular season games left. It feels like you know it, the college football playoff doors is pretty much shut unless everything, the craziest college football season ever happens in the next month and a half. Uh, but what what is there left for Penn State to play for? I know you're looking at some of the bowl scenarios and a story you've coming out later this week. Yeah, so the the playoff is 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 gone and dusted. That's that's not going to happen, but. There, there's enough to play for. Uh, there's a good bowl to play for. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the playoff. It's not, you know, a national championship, which is what Trace McSorley desperately wanted to play for uh-huh. uh, in his final year. But you know, they still have a, they still have a pretty good chance at making the Rose Bowl if they win out. Huh? If, if, yeah. if they win out, which is a big if at this point. I mean, considering sure. how they look the past two games, but especially you know on Saturday. But if they win out, and assuming you know Ohio State makes it to the playoff with the way that they're playing albeit a uh, not-so-great win over Minnesota. If Penn State wins out, uh, Ohio State makes a playoff, Penn State will be in the Rose Bowl, most likely, because then you, at that point they win out, which means they beat Michigan, uh, and you know, Michigan State will have lost to Ohio State. So those two teams, Michigan and Michigan State, are 9-3. and three. Penn State is 10-2, and two, and they're the highest-ranked team for the Rose Bowl to pluck after, the, after Ohio mm-hmm. State makes it to the playoff. If they don't make it to the Rose Bowl, if they lose again, if Penn State loses again, you know, namely at Michigan or even against yeah. Iowa or Wisconsin, there's a slim chance that they get into a, an at-large New Year's Six situation. Uh, you know, four teams uh, since twenty, you know, since this model came up, the the New Year's Six Bowl and yeah. playoff in 2014, four teams have made it as at-large uh, teams with three losses or more. Um, so it's possible, but then at that point, you're playing in the Peach Bowl against you know. UCF, uh, so you know it, for Penn State fans, it might be hard to get up yeah. in the Group of Five champion. And if you don't make it to the New Year's Six Bowl, then you're playing in the Citrus or Outback Bowl against you know Kentucky or, or Florida. And, uh, and and we've seen how ugly a Penn State Florida Outback Bowl can get back in 2011. So, <laughs> oh boy, um, Poor Matt McCoy. the Rose Bowl is still there to be played for, and and there you would play you know Washington or or Oregon. Uh, you know, or maybe even USC again, um, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out. There's a lot of games left to be played, but Rose Bowl is still a good consolation. Maybe trade, you know, give Trace an opportunity for, you know, to to bounce back and um, and get a win out in Pasadena after 2016. But outside yeah. of that, it's um, it's it's, it's pretty eh. 
Yeah. Well, a Rose Bowl would feel it would feel better, even oh, if yeah, you absolutely. Know, regardless, that would feel a lot better than even even a different New Year's Six Bowl or whatever else if they can somehow rally mm-hmm. and go six and zero. But that's again, as you said, a big a big if. Yeah. All right, we are with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with some fill in the blank questions for John here. Stay with us on Locked On Nittany Lions. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're a college football fanatic. You don't just want to watch the game, you need to watch the game. That's why I'm telling you, you need to check out Sling TV. For just 30 bucks a month, you get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network, and more. You can stream the big games on your big screen and all your favorite devices with Sling TV. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, but it's better. There are no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to check out Sling TV, Locked On Nittany Lions listeners can get a special seven-day free trial. Go to sling.com slash locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and sign up for your free seven-day trial today. Sling.com slash locked on and find out why Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. Locked On Nittany Lions is also brought to you by Vivid Seats. If you're looking for Penn State tickets this season or need tickets to any show or sporting event, you got to check out Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. And to make things even better, there's a special promo code offer for Locked On listeners. Use the promo code Locked On and you get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app today, and then use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. Every purchase on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app today, use that promo code Locked On, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Welcome back to the show. We still are joined by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, before we let you go, I have a quick, uh, a couple quick fill-in-the-blank questions for you. Uh, I want to start with uh, kind of the mood from Penn State players afterward um, and, and in talking to them. The biggest post-game comment that stuck out to you was blank. So I, I would say what Trace had to say about close games and, and everything. So I, you know, he was, he was asked about the statistic that's, you know, everyone I'm sure is familiar with now that Penn State's last five losses have come by a total of 12 points. And James Franklin was asked about that in his post-game press conference and basically said, Hey, it's really painful, but I'd rather lose close than be a program where you're not trying to like, where you're trying to not to lose big, which yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, you lost a loss. But anyway, so Trace was asked basically the same question and said, hey, you know, we have beaten, you know, teams in close games before. We've won close games before in the fourth quarter, but it mm-hmm. hasn't come against the top 25 teams, against these teams, against, you know, in the bowl games. We need to be able to finish these games, which is kind of different than what how Franklin put it. Now, you know, right. Franklin's, you know, an internal optimist, and he, you know, he admits that, and he's always going to be positive. But um, for Trace to kind of admit that, and, and, and it's, it's obvious. I mean, you look at, you look at the five losses, and, and they're against Ohio State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan State, and, and, um, and USC. 
And yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. And and Trace as a fifth year senior, he, you know, he he's been you know really honest this year. He's always he's never been a you know someone to to beat around the bush or anything like that. But especially this year, has been pretty honest and forthcoming with his answers. And uh, I, I I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's nice. It's a little more, a little bigger dose of uh, reality probably than had the way Franklin spun it. Uh, also, uh, switching gears, we'll go to a little positive note. We did touch on this a little bit earlier, but sure. Miles Sanders' performance on Saturday was blank. Impressive. I, I would say it was impressive early. Like I like I mentioned, the, the running game was kind of shut down in the second half, but mm-hmm. you're going up against a Michigan State run defense that – is, was the best in the country. They entered Saturday's game allowing 33.8 rushing yards per game. Miles went over that twice on two separate runs. And also Michigan State had yet to allow a rush of 20 yards or more entering that game. Yeah. This is a statistic that like just blew my mind. I'm like, how do you not let like just one run? 100, 100 <laughs> Someone is, get loose for 20. Yeah, Exactly. It was 128 combined rushing attempts for opponents wow. through Michigan State's first five games, and they had yet to allow a 20-yard rush. And again, Miles ripped off two of them. And the 48-yard run that he had, uh, that was incredible. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he he basically runs through or sidesteps three tackles, and then he hits that jump cut and just slips through two Michigan State guys who end up like hitting each other because they were so shook. Uh, it was it was a really nice run, and I, I thought he did well. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely the biggest biggest highlights of the day were Miles Sanders for sure. Um, and the last one we have for you here, asked it to you last week. It, it's going to be a different answer this week. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, Penn, Penn, Penn State wins blank of its final six regular season games. How are you feeling now? Yeah, so last week when you asked me of the final seven, I said seven. I thought this team was really going to rally coming out of the bye week. And Hey, I was I was with you. I was on the same page. Yeah, I thought they were going to – I honestly thought it wasn't going to be close between Michigan State and I. I was so wrong. Um, I will say they'll win five of their next six. I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think they lose – at Michigan, and honestly, uh, eight and four is a real possibility here because I like yeah. Iowa a lot. I like what Nate Stanley's doing. Noah Fant is the best tight end in the country, and Wisconsin, even though they just got you know kind of embarrassed by um, by Michigan, thirty eight to thirteen, that you know they can still run the ball and they can still kind of control control the clock and, and dictate you know time of play right. stuff like that. So I think eight and four is a real possibility, but. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the, you know, my preseason prediction was nine and three. So I'll, I'll stick with that and I'll, I'll yep. one of these next six. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people are probably with you there a little, and uh, six, six is not out of the question, but that Michigan game, the way, if Michigan plays the way they did on Saturday night, it's going to be very, very tough to beat in Ann Arbor. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, the Wolverines defense is just swarming right now. And, and I get mm-hmm. it. Wisconsin's offense is not, well, I don't know. Penn State's offense looked really sluggish on Saturday, but Wisconsin's offense—I mean, Alex Hornerbrook is just not going to you know, push the ball downfield. No. Not a very good quarterback. They can run the ball better than almost anyone in the Big Ten with Jonathan Taylor in that offensive line. But if you're one-dimensional against Michigan at home, you know you're, you're going to struggle. So if, if Penn State can figure this thing out, they they go at Indiana, then they have um, you know Iowa at home. If they can come out and, and play well in both those games. And it'll be a really interesting game out in Ann Arbor. But if they if they barely escape Bloomington with a win 
this weekend and then look flat against Iowa. I, I don't, I, I don't like Penn State's chances at, at Michigan. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. Thanks, as always, for your time, John. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, bub. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. We're going to wrap up today's show with our weekly Big Ten Power Rankings. Actually, a lot of movement this week. Probably the most we've had uh, since we started doing these at the beginning of the season. So uh, some teams have shifted around, but the bottom of the rankings is still the same. That is Rutgers coming in at 14th. Rutgers somehow finds a new way to surprise you and amaze you with how inept the team is at playing football. Rutgers lost to Maryland this week, got, got blown out by Maryland. As a team, Rutgers went two for 17 through the air. They had two completions on 17 attempts for eight passing yards in a 60-minute football contest in which they were trailing basically the entire time. They had five interceptions among those. So two completions, Eight yards, five picks. It's just amazing. It's just amazingly bad. So Rutgers is uh, the worst team in the Big Ten, undoubtedly. Maybe the worst Power Five team in the nation. Honestly, maybe one of the worst like ten or fifteen college football teams in the FBS teams in the country. It is. They they are so bad. All right, moving on. Thirteenth is Nebraska Huskers. Uh, boy, they are zero and six. Had a 10-point lead with five minutes left on the road at Northwestern. Looked primed to get that first win under Scott Frost and just completely collapsed. They they let Northwestern drive the length of the field in the final two minutes for the game-tying touchdown. Blew it in overtime. They fumbled a snap when they went for it on fourth down. Northwestern kicked a field goal, got the win. Huskers are 0-6, first time ever that they're 0-6. Yeah, things are not going the way Scott Frost envisioned there. Illinois is 12th this week. The Illini got blown out by Purdue, but uh, they, they get to be 12th in these rankings because they're 3-3 three and three and Nebraska's 0-6. They will play Nebraska later this season, and uh, I think Nebraska will win that game, but for now, we'll keep Illinois at number 12. Number 11, it's uh, Penn State's opponent this week. It's Indiana. They're 4-3, and three, but uh, not very good, and uh, Penn State's going out there this week. Hopefully, they can avoid more letdown in Bloomington. Minnesota is number 10 this week. Minnesota actually gave Ohio State a game. They were leading for a little bit in the first half of that game. Kept it close for for at least three quarters. Uh, They had some calls go against their way too, some fourth down calls. I actually watched that game because the noon slate was so bad on Saturday. So that's what I had on my TV for for most of like between noon and and three o'clock was the Ohio State-Minnesota game. Uh, Minnesota looked pretty good, like, at times against the, that Ohio State team. P.J. Fleck does seem to have his team going in the right direction. Even with that loss, I think this team can get bowl eligible in the Big Ten West. Purdue is ninth this week. Boilermakers are now 3-3. Three and three. They started the season 0-3. Their offense is very good. They scored 40 straight points in two. Uh, they four, scored at least 40 points in two straight games. They, uh, they, beat, they blew out... Illinois last week. They get Ohio State this week. Somewhat intriguing game. They get them in West Lafayette. 
they put up a lot of points. Ohio State's defense has shown some some holes, especially against uh, Minnesota in the first half last week. So maybe Purdue can give Ohio State a game. Number eight this week, Northwestern. Wildcats, they're such a weird team. It feels like they are every year. Like I think Northwestern can like win or lose every single game it plays. They proved that again this week by <laughs> trailing an uh, a winless Nebraska team and then coming back to win at the end. This comes after a week a week after they beat Michigan State by ten points on the road. So Northwestern, and Northwestern also like Big Ten West hopes are not dead because they are uh, they're two and one in the conference and that one loss came against Michigan. So they'll get a chance against Wisconsin and Iowa later in this season. And if they win both of those games, who knows? Maryland is seventh this week. Terps are four and two. Probably should be five and one because they lost a Temple in the non-con. Without that, I mean, they they might be ranked right now because they have a win over Texas. Only losses against Michigan. Uh, Maryland beat up on Rutgers, of course, held them to eight passing yards, and uh, they actually have a low-key, interesting, intriguing game. If if you're just a Big Ten fan, they're going to Iowa, playing Hawkeyes in Iowa City this week, and uh, if they get that win, like that just that would be very good for the Big Ten East supremacy there to, to prove how much better that one side of the conference is than the other. Um, Iowa will be favored to win that game, but I think it could be a, a decent a decent tilt out there in the heartland. Uh, speaking of Iowa, they are sixth this week. Hawkeyes keep winning. They're beating teams they should beat. They are honestly just a few plays from being unbeaten because they lost that one to Wisconsin a few weeks ago. Uh, but their Big Ten West hopes are alive after Wisconsin got destroyed at the Big House. So they each have one loss in conference right now. Iowa, of course, does not have the head-to-head, but if they uh, if some things shake out their way, they could end up going to the Big Ten title game. They would probably need to beat they need to beat Maryland this week, obviously, and they would need to beat Penn State uh, at Beaver Stadium in two weeks, which could be a pretty decent game. Kind of these two teams are trending in, in opposite directions right now. Wisconsin is fifth this week in these power rankings, still ahead of Iowa, still the best Big Ten West team among these 14, but oh boy, they are uh, they are not the college football playoff contender that a lot of people thought they might be in August. Uh, they had their second loss of the year this, this week, just got throttled by Michigan, uh, 38-13, the big house. Jim Harbaugh and that, that team really dominated Wisconsin. It wasn't, wasn't really that close of a game, um, and it was just a poor showing for Paul Chris and a Wisconsin team that I don't know. Doesn't really seem that they they have they beat Michigan last year, but a lot of these times when they're playing these crossover games or they're playing the Big Ten title game, Wisconsin doesn't get the win. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, Wisconsin still still can win the Big Ten West if they win out, but I don't know. I don't know if they're a top twenty team in the country. They might not be. Uh, Penn State is fourth this week. Uh, Lions obviously have to go down. They were in second this in these power rankings all year, but. And we've talked about this for two straight days here. What else can you say? They're a good and talented team, and they can't close close games against other good and talented teams. And that's a big problem right now. So it was Penn State, they're down fourth this week, which means Michigan State has jumped them as they earned, uh, as they get to do. They earned it by beating them the other day. Michigan State is three. Sparty moves up. Big road win. They get a they could actually still win the Big Ten East. They're in position to do it because they, they have one conference loss, but it comes against Northwestern. If they can beat Michigan and Ohio State, they would win the Big Ten East if they don't drop any other games. 
uh, and they get their next test against Michigan this week. Should be a fun game. Could be a big one for these two teams. It's in East Lansing, so Spartans, Wolverines, best game in the Big Ten this week for sure. Michigan is second this week, speaking of. Uh, Hey, look, signature win for Jim Harbaugh the other night. Took care of business against Wisconsin handily. Really proved that this team is, is for real. That loss, a road loss to Notre Dame, doesn't look very bad right now. Michigan is is fully back in the Big Ten title conversation. They are fully back in the college football playoff conversation. Michigan has a lot of big games left, though. They still have to play the other three powerhouses in the Big Ten East. Uh, they only get one of them at home. That's Penn State on November 3rd. They have to travel to East Lansing this week and then close out their season at Ohio State. And, of course, the Buckeyes are still number one in these power rankings because they're the only unbeaten team in this conference right now. They, as I mentioned, struggled a little bit with Minnesota. Uh, they can't sleepwalk like that again this Saturday in in West Lafayette against Purdue. I think that would spell a lot of trouble because Purdue could put up points in a hurry. So if Ohio State doesn't show up to that game and, and bring their best effort defensively, they could get themselves in a shootout and could be on upset alert this Saturday. But it's uh, that's really going to be their biggest test of, of October because their other – two big games against Michigan and against Michigan State won't come until November. So Ohio State stays here. Those are our updated Big Ten power rankings. All right. Well, that will do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will be back later this week. We'll get more of a look at Indiana coming up. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns about the podcast, you can tweet at us. We are at Locked on Nittany on Twitter. You can also email the show. It is locked on Nittany Lions at gmail.com. Also, please subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out and helps other Penn State fans find the podcast. But thanks again for listening. We will be back tomorrow. We'll turn the page a little bit and uh, figure out what Penn State has to play for this season and, and what the rest of the 2018 season means for this program. I'll talk to you then.